Hello, creatives. If you're new, welcome. If not, welcome back to Convo by Design. This journey of ours in search of amazing design, architecture, furnishings, and art, we're in our ninth year now, and I am so happy that you're joining me for another episode, one that I think you're going to like. I recently took a trip, a journey, back to Los Angeles for the latest installment of Legends, presented by the La Cienega Design Quarter. Saw some old friends, made some new ones for sure. It is the design events that remind me just how special our industry is. And while I love design, just like you, it's not the work that makes the industry so special. It's the people. That's why I love to focus on the stories, like this one, featuring Catherine Sanders of Western Sensibilities. We're talking about textiles and about next generation textiles at that. Catherine is changing the way textiles are designed and produced, small batch, custom print, and state-of-the-art production techniques that make turnaround times faster and digital production that makes new collaborations possible without the long timelines and extensive cost. This is Western Sensibilities, Catherine Sanders. So if you're from Southern California, how'd you wind up in Montana? Um, yeah, that's a great question in such a roundabout way, honestly, uh, following my heart, I guess. Um, I actually, I went to art school first in Chicago. Um, I studied at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, and I'm an art school dropout like so many of us, right? But um, then I actually came to school here in Missoula, Montana, and studied anthropology, and I got my degree here. And I just fell in love with being near nature. I think growing up, I thought I was you know, more of a city girl and learned I was not. So um, just kind of fell in love with it here, met my husband here. And then we were back in LA for the last seven years and then came back here. We've been here about almost a year and a half now back and setting up Western Sensibility. Montana's fantastic. Yes. I mean, I'm in love with it. I mean, I think when I first got here when I was 20 and I like within a day of being here, I was like, yeah, I don't ever want to leave. <laughs> so there's just so much to do. There's so much. Well, there is. But at the same time, I, I feel like from a creative standpoint, you know, growing up and being raised in Southern California, loved it. I, I loved growing up in, in Southern California. But moving out to areas where and changing changing the the scenery is is food for the soul it's food for the creative input is it not absolutely i mean i yeah. think for me i like i need a the fact that i look up and i see mountains all around me and it kind of like grounds me and it keeps me inspired um and i in a city i just i think it's harder for me to get inspired and I, it's not that way for everybody but for me having that connection to nature is just critical and so it's interesting too because you've and I, I want to talk about Western sensibility because you've you've kind of crafted a company. You filled a void, and it's it's really interesting for me because it's it, being part of the design and architecture industry for for so long. It's hard to find white space. It's hard to find an, a niche to fill. Yet you seem to have found one here. Can we back up a second and sort of tell me about the the origin behind it, how how you found this space, why here, why now, why textiles, why Western sensibility, why did you do this? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a long answer, um, I guess as good ones are, but I, uh, so I'm a third generation textile printer and I never anticipated working in the textile world. Um, my grandfather was a textile printer. He went to a textile college in, uh, in Massachusetts and then came out West. His actually, his first job was running the mill at San Quentin prison, which is uh, really, wild <laughs> so as a as an employee or as a resident? not as a printer, no as, as an employee yeah okay. so he was in charge of that for a few years but, and then he um I guess he had like the option to go work at Pendleton or at San Quentin and my grandmother was like I want to be where it's warm so <laughs> they went to California and then they went down to Los Angeles and he worked at a dye house in LA and then started his own in the 60s. And my father worked for him. So it was very conventional, traditional types of textile printing. Um, you know, a lot of that industry has left the United States, sadly. And like they had to close their doors because they in the early 2000s because they couldn't compete any longer. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, too, because being in California, uh, you know, they had, a, with, you know, really strict environmental standards, thankfully. Uh, but, the, you know, they had to pay more for their water, uh, you know, going out than coming in. And it, they just couldn't do it any longer, which was really sad. But, yeah, so that's kind of, so, you know, they, they have, like, kind of their storied history of doing it the conventional way and, you know, like, doing their chemistry formulas. Like, I have all of my grandfather's textbooks from the 40s from textile college, and he has all of his calculations in the margins, and it's really kind of special and cool. But um, my dad, you know, kind of taking it on to in his own way, and then with them having to shut down their plant, uh, he, he was really instrumental, actually. So my, let me back up. My grandfather is really into home textiles. They did a lot of upholstery. They did a lot of stuff for Fabricut, I know, and a bunch of big brands in the 60s, 70s, 80s. My dad helped start a lot of surf apparel brands, actually. My dad's a surfer, very like typical California dude. So he kind of, that was his kind of niche. And then he started to help kind of create digital textile printing um, as a consultant from the textile end of it when they were building the first machines in the early 2000s. So he kind of identified this as an emerging market and saw all of the really amazing benefits to it from a sustainability standpoint, because you know, you're not using nearly as much water in certain methods. Ours we only use um, our inks are water-based non-toxic that's it and then far less electricity so that part was great but then there's also um, really beautiful kind of design advantages that you have with the process so he kind of started creating textiles specifically for digital printing make you know certain constructions give you better print clarity and um, you know color takes better in certain types of fabrics and so he that's kind of what he did and you know I like went I went to art school I studied anthropology I thought I was going to have like a career in academia that's kind of where I saw myself existing and um long story short I went to work for my dad for what was supposed to be a short period of time after my grandfather passed away, or not my grandfather passed away. Oh my gosh, my uncle passed away um, just to like help out for a few months. And I kind of got addicted and worked for another textile company, worked for a print house in downtown LA 
And basically Western sensibility was born out of my frustration with a lot of other companies. Um, Cause I just kept trying to like convince people to do this because I saw the opportunity. I saw that people, that there's a way to do things different that a lot of the clients were frustrated with the kind of the old school way of doing things, even in a digital process. So it was kind of like, put your money where your mouth is, you know, do the damn thing. And that's what we did. I, I, I love that. Um, and that, that really is where, where you find need, right? you you find the nation and then you, you go about filling it. Now you, you also have taken on, a, a very congested industry, right? Yeah. There's a lot of players. So what you've done is you've you've kind of found this this area where you can work directly with collaborators. Talk to me about talk to me about the the creative. Talk to me about the art itself. The best part of this job is a hundred percent exposing the technology to new artists and introducing it to them, showing how their work can kind of fit into this new medium. And I literally, like when I show an artist their first set of samples with their art printed onto textiles, I mean, I literally see it in their eyes. It just unlocks something. And then it's like, nobody can sleep at night because they're waking up at three in the morning with ideas. And it's so exciting. And it's like, it feels like everybody is having that same experience. It's just very energizing. So, I mean, how cool is that? I mean, I can't, can't complain about that for a second. And we collaborate with a lot of different artists. And I think what makes us unique, which again was kind of born out of my frustration and how I was seeing things done, is that we really truly collaborate with artists. It's not like, oh, here's our process. Let's see how you can fit in. And if, you know, like if it doesn't work, like, sorry, that's as far as we can take you. No, we're going to do R&D as long as we have to. Um, you know, we, the guiding principle here is really we want your art to exist in the world how you want it to exist. So we let the artists set the tone on so much of it, which I think can be a little bit overwhelming at first, too. I mean, we're here to help and guide and give technical feedback. But I'm never going to say, hey, do that in blue. We really think it'll sell better or it's, you know, more commercial or I mean, who like what does my opinion matter when we're talking about art? So it's the and the digital process allows the artists to kind of be really experimental. And we're a studio that really embraces that. Um, so for us too, we're printing on demand. So we don't print the order um, or we don't, you know, we don't print the product until we get the order. So I always tell the artists too, if they've got some stuff that they, you know, maybe they feel like is too weird or like it's only going to resonate with a handful of people. So what if it only gets, you know, 50 orders, those 50 people really connected with it and we made it work for them and we don't have to live in this, oh, it has to be commercially viable um, kind of world. We can be experimental and, um, you know, not just cater to what we think people want, but what we want to put out there. And usually there's more like, you know, kind of heartfelt connection to things like that too. So it's, it's definitely a different way to do things. It's not how most people do it. Um, but that's the fun part too, is just, is doing all of the R&D and the testing. The fact that that's a differentiator for us blows my mind, honestly. So that's genius too. And I'm, I'm curious, do you find yourself working more with the artists uh, for product for sale in showroom or is it an econ play? Both. It's both. And right. So right now we've got, you know, we've, we've, 
we're in our infancy, as I keep saying, you know, we, we launched in November. Um, so we've got, you know, our e-commerce presence, we're working on getting national um, representation in different showrooms. We were just at Paris and New York um, last week. Um, Dennis Miller showroom hosted us, which was so cool. And uh, so, you know, we're kind of, you know, we're at the beginning of our journey in a lot of ways, but it's, uh, you know, I think it's just introducing art in kind of a, truly like in a new way and getting people to think about art and design and color and print and pattern in different places. You know, we're kind of used to seeing it in certain surfaces and we accept it in those places, but we have the kind of beautiful challenge of getting people to think about it differently. I, I I love that. So take me through the process. Uh, you have, are you actively seeking out creators or are creators finding you? It's both. Um, I think, you know, the fact that we have such a collaborative process and the fact that um, we're a company who doesn't believe in owning other people's art, I think that is really attractive to a lot of artists and has made them feel comfortable working with us uh, because what we basically enter into are licensing agreements with different artists to produce their work onto textiles. Um, I don't want to own any people's work. I, you know, I think it should be theirs. Um, if they want to, you know, if we translate so many different mediums onto textile, whether it's photography, collage, oil painting, pastel photography, digital artwork. So if those, you know, if a collage, you know, exists in physical form and that artist wants to sell that piece or do something different with it, that shouldn't, like, you know, that's nothing really to do with us and we don't want it to. So I think we're just trying to just have the most respectful relationship we can with artists. And so, you know, it's, I think it's, that's really made it, I made us accessible, which we really truly work hard to be. Um, so yeah, so a lot of conversations we've kind of, uh, we've started, but we've also had, especially since we've launched a lot of artists contact us and interested in collaborating or interested in, you know, even just having us contract print some work for them for right now we're working. Actually, he's one of our artists, actually, Tyler Krasowski. He's an incredible artist, does a lot of, he has like kind of a block printing background, but he does so much kind of experimental fun colorful work and anyway he he's doing um this really cool spring break show in LA in two weeks so he's doing a huge installation there so we're you know also helping him print for his installation so the relationship can be a lot of different things too and I really you know stay in kind of the seat of I'm here to support the artists and that looks different for every artist and we're here to kind of be malleable, you know. I am speaking with Catherine Sanders of Western Sensibilities. We'll be right back after this. We are living at a time of incredible growth, both technologically and creatively, with respect to interior design, exterior design, and architecture. There is no question. There are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made. One of those companies, and one of my favorites, is Moya Living designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful, incredibly durable, and highly functional kitchen, bath, and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today. Powder-coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors to fit any design style or aesthetic. A history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community. So you know it's been tested in some of the truly 
the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living, their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom in Fountain Valley, California. It also sounds too like you're, you're filling a need for small batch production to actually test in the marketplace. And I think that that is so desperately needed now, you know, to, to put a smaller investment out there and say, okay, I think this is going to work. I find it kind of cool. You know, we'll see if somebody else does. And if people are like, yeah, no, this is terrible. Well, then your, your investment is limited in that regard. But if it blows up, then you can, you can produce to scale. And, and I think that's incredibly valuable. Well, you know, I think, you know, traditionally prints are a risk. Uh, you know, design houses are going to, as an apparel too, like it, they're going to choose maybe three prints a season and two colorways, maybe three, you know, and they take it to market, kind of see what people are responding to, but there is still an element of kind of throwing darts in the dark. So I get it when you're producing conventionally, when you have minimums that are, you know, at least a thousand yards or when, you know, and you're engraving a screen and your screen, your rotary screens are 300 to a thousand yards per screen, per color, it's expensive. It's a risk. And I totally understand. And I think also side note that that's why we don't see as many prints and as many bold things. Um, it's not necessarily our taste, even though we might think it is. I think it's actually really a limitation of the technology. Um, but the digital textile technology just is, it's a game changer. And I think for me, I feel there, this equipment is all over the United States. It's all over the world. It's really powerful and incredible, but I really feel like it's barely being used to its full potential. Um, it's mostly used actually in the signage market. So we're like advertising, building wraps, billboards, all that kind of trade show booths, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, a little bit more in apparel and then definitely like kind of just the tip of the iceberg in, in interiors. So I think for us too, it's, it's so much about pushing it and not putting like arbitrary numbers on things. So if you're working with a digital printer and they're still giving you like super high minimums, they're deciding to do that pretty arbitrarily. Um, for I mean, it's in some ways it's a similar process. And of course it's things are circumstantial per project and all of that too, but it's no, it's like a larger scale of print, like, you know, sitting on your computer and printing to your desktop printer. So for me, it's not like I have huge setup fees for a giant piece of machinery and screens to engrave where I have to have that high minimum. If I print you two yards or, you know, 500 yards, it really does. It just doesn't mess with our workflow. We can do that. So we're embracing that. We want to make it accessible, attainable, you know, have that room for experimentation and we don't want to put those limits on it. So talk to me about the growth and scaling up because as a company, you know, doing small batch and, and niche projects and, and, you know, working on small, that's, that's great. That's certainly a need in the marketplace, but from a company standpoint, you know, it's always easier to do large projects and push a ton of product out. 
how do you maintain that small Missoula, Montana company feel and still scale up at the same time? Because I would imagine it gets very challenging with the more creators, the more artists, the more designers that you're working with, it, it gets more challenging because bigger orders are always easier to do. Right. No, that's totally true. I mean, I think it's a lot of it is being extremely conscious about what types of projects that we choose to take on um, because our, our studio does operate on, on twofold. Um, so we we're building this really beautiful brand with collaborations with artists. And then we do also contract print. So that's, you know, a way to do those really big orders that, you know, we can crank out really quickly yardage wise. That's the other thing. The turnaround time is incredible compared to the conventional methods. Um, but yeah, so I think it's a lot of that is, you know, being conscious about what we take on and still making sure that we never get to a point where we're just like, yeah, send us the file, we'll print it. It is what it is. Like, I hate that so much. So, you know, we're, we're building into the model of our business, you know, that we do that R and D. So I think it's just being thoughtful. Um, you know, like we have, we've got several printers right now where like the next one we're going to expand into is wallpaper and we're going to do, be able to print onto faux leather. And, you know, we have so many really exciting print opportunities and ways that we are already planning to grow. Um, but I think so much of it too, as scalability is just being really conscious of what you're taking on. Like we just did a project for um, just a homeowner recently that I, we were able to take on because we're at the beginning and it was really a sweet project. They were remodeling a house and they found this old wallpaper trap between walls and they brought it to us and we were able to digitize it and turn it into fabric for them, which was so cool. And I know pretty soon we won't be able to do something like that, but being able to do it now is also, is, you know, just, it's fun. It's a fun experiment for us too. Well, and, and talking about fun and experimental, Let's talk about some of the collaborations that you that you have, because I'm curious about how you partner with creators and why you partner with some creators and what that what that partnership means. And it's funny, too, because as I'm looking at it, I'm looking behind you at some of your your collaborations. And the one I wanted to actually start with, because I just think it is so fun, is that the one pearl design uh, pillow that I see behind you. I think they're, they're creative. Their art is just so cool. When you see that, does it, does it speak to you? And how does, how does it work? So if, if somebody's listening to the show and they're like, I, you know, I have some ideas. How do you, how do you work with your partners? Yeah. So, I mean, we're always looking to collaborate. Um, you know, we can only take so many on at a time. We're about to, we're getting close to launching three new um, collaborations, but, you know, I think that's another part of scaling too, is making sure that you can service everybody and get these de designs out, um, you know, in a way that is fair and you can, we can give it the attention that it truly deserves. Um, but I guess kind of like with, with One Pearl Design, I mean, when we saw her work and actually it was shared with us through a printing industry contact, uh, you know, it was kind of impossible not to fall in love and get hypnotized by it right away. Um, Shirley Miller, she's based out of Austin. She's, I mean, this is like art, making art 
is a side hustle for her. Basically, it's like something she does in her free time because she loves it and enjoys it, but it's not her full time gig. She had these stunning, stunning collection of kind of textures that she'd captured all over the Southwest. And during the pandemic, actually, when she had some more time on her hands, she's like, okay, I'm going to start manipulating these photographs. And I don't know, just get creative, see what I can do. I have some time. And so she started to manipulate them, put them into repeats, came up with some just incredible work. We actually were at an opening last night for a restaurant, um, Brasserie Port Rouge here in Missoula. And we did an upholstered wall and a bunch of drapery with her work on it, which was very cool. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of the way we start that process, um, which I imagine we're the only people who do this because I it takes a lot more time, but it's important to me. Um, we have a collection of textiles that we've developed. And what we ask each artist to do is to give us one or two files. Um, we usually ask for two, two, or, well, two or three files that are very different from each other so that they can get the most information from them. And we print them on every single ground that we have. And we send it to them. And I always say, take a few days let it marinate, um, kind of see what you're responding to, seeing what works, what doesn't work. If there's textiles you're gravitating towards because, you know, you just personally like that, or you're seeing design elements that maybe work better with one versus another. Sometimes the constructions of the fabric, like our honeycomb, which is our, we have it in two colorways, ivory and champagne, and it's, um, it's a bit more robust. And with sometimes with certain prints, um, if it has extremely fine details, like we actually printed a photograph that was of these sand dunes, we realized that the sand and the texture of the fabric competed. So that it, it printed beautifully on some others, but that one was out. So it kind of, we let them analyze, figure it out, and they determine which pieces of their work are on what textiles. We have some artists who have like, you know what, I'm, I wanna go with these three. We have other artists who are like, I wanna get, let the consumer decide, I actually, like how it resonates on everything. So all of them. And then we have other artists who literally go through each design with us and say, okay, like this one on that fabric, this one I'll offer on these two, this one I'll offer on five. Um, you know, and we, we really believe that they should make that decision and that's how we support them. Another artist that you're working with, and I can see his pillow behind you too, is Craig George. Yes. Is that a, so it's interesting because what I, what I find you doing is opening this up. You have original art, you have photography as, as with, um, big sky bandits. Are they local? Clearly they are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So because of what you're doing and how you're doing it, it seems to me like this opens up any kind of collaboration that you want to do, but it also opens up traditionally in, in the industry, it opens up some issues with intellectual property and that you have to be cognizant of as an upstart. How do you, this is more of a philosophical question, right? How do you not get wrapped up in the weeds? How do you not get so, you know, in the minutia of it, but try to grow and scale a business because you've, you've created an opening and now you want to maximize it before competitors come in. 
You know, I mean, that's a great question. Um, I'm not the first person in the digital textile world whatsoever. And, sure. but I really, to me, I, I feel, you know, maybe this is naive or something, but I feel kind of comfortable in the sense that I'm really confident about how we do what we do. And I think that, you know, if other people want to, I, you know, actually to be perfectly honest, the the best success that our studio could have would be for other people to emulate what we're doing. If I can get more people to adopt this type of technology and set up studios, we're gonna get more incredible different art out there. We're creating more jobs in the United States. We're printing textiles in the most sustainable way possible. We're bringing part of that industry back to the United States. I mean, I would love nothing more than that. So in, in a lot of ways, like we're incredibly transparent, which is not how the textile industry is at all. Again, a frustration and why I want to do things a bit differently. Um, because I really think, I think there's a, like I said, you know, tip of the iceberg. Like I really think there's a piece of this pie for anyone who's passionate about it and wants to do it and wants to do it thoughtfully. And I'm here to support other people, other printers doing that as well. So that doesn't freak me out. And I feel really confident in our our workflow and our ideology and how we work with clients um so yeah well, that's kind of how i put it i i think it's great if other people adopted this technology i often get asked hey can you go into the weeds a little bit and and get get technical and i often try not to only because it's, I don't want everyone to have the eyes rolling back in their head and be like, oh, this is, but I, I will do it now because I'm curious and I think others will be as, as well. What is dye sublimation? Yeah. And how okay. is that different? So I love getting into the weeds and I can get technical and all of that stuff. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, stop me. Okay. Like I'm not trying to bore you, but if you are interested, I can talk to you about it all day long. Uh, so when I say digital textile printing, there are many different forms of digital textile printing. The method that we're currently doing at our studio is called dye sublimation. And the reason why we chose this process is I really believe in it and I believe in the results that we're able to get from it. Um, what This process is unique because actually what happens is we print onto paper first and it's really funny, and actually this happened yesterday. Um, when we have artists in the studio with us and we print it onto this special paper that's recyclable, um, they freak out because it prints very muted. And they're like, what the heck did you do to my artwork? This is so wrong. How am I trusting you with this? You know, we had an artist here yesterday who we've printed a ton of stuff for him and he saw it on the printer and he was like, what the heck? Like he still had that freak out moment. But what happens is when you, we take that paper and the textile and we run it through this large machine called a heat calendar, um, which calendar, it's funny. So calendar spelled E-R, not A-R, which is also a funny thing to note. Um, if you're a textile person and you have a textile background, you're going to call it a calendar. If you're coming into it from the printing side, um, you know, kind of the convention like paper printing side of it you'll call it a heat press so you'll hear both of those words heat calendar heat press but um so we we send the paper and the textile through the calendar 
And, you know, we adjust the pressure and the time um, depending on the weight of the fabric and kind of other characteristics that we need to capture. But basically what happens, the calendar is at about 400 degrees. And while the textile and paper are going around the oil drum in the center of it, the ink on the paper changes state into a gas. And the gas then embeds deep into the fiber. So it effectively becomes part of the textile, which is very different than other methods where you print right on the surface. Um, so pigment printing, which is definitely like one of the biggest ways that textiles are printed, apparel and home still today, conventionally as well. Pigments are great. They have actually incredible color to light fastness. Um, but when you print them digitally, and there are solutions out there, um, there's still some issues. And I'm not person, I'm, I'm a control freak in the sense of like quality is key. And we're here to put out quality product. So there are certain things about printing um, did doing digital pigments that I'm not comfortable with yet. I want to see some better results on color to wash fastness, though you're not going to wash your sofa, thankfully. But um, and then also crocking, which is the really the big issue for interior products. So crocking is when the ink um, rubs off. So think of sitting on a sofa in white pants and you get up and you have a print on the back of your pants. So, I mean, it shouldn't be that severe, but there's kind of an illustration of what it could be. So I, we do a ton of testing and we send a lot out to textile labs for really extensive testing. Um, so that is another reason why we chose dye sublimation because we're really um, satisfied with the color to light fastness, color to wash fastness and crocking results. And we've also developed a line of textiles that are incredibly durable. They, um, most of them surpass 100,000 cycles on the Weizenbeck double rub abrasion test, which is incredible. Um, you know, I think our lowest one is 55, which is still incredibly high. And we also actually engineered all of our fabrics to have stain and soil resistant finishes on them. So we call them, you know, it's our life-friendly technology is how we refer to it. So, you, you know, you, it kind of also gives it an archival quality because we're talking about fine art here. And so if you, you know, you spill your coffee, your glass of wine on your, on your sofa or your pillow or drapes somehow, um, you know, you don't have to have that freak out moment. It's incredibly easy to clean and it's there to be kind of a durable piece in your home. As you're talking, I'm starting to think about all the applications because the process is so different. And, and I'm, I'm interested, what's, have you gotten any, any weird or unusual applications yet that maybe it, are unexpected? You know, I've been doing it for a while. So I feel like nothing has jumped out at me lately where I'm like that I had never thought of. I mean, it was funny. My husband woke up when like, literally I'm telling you that there's this thing where you like wake up in the middle of night with ideas Yeah, and he, sure. he did that and he was like, oh my gosh, we could print on speaker covers. I'm like, yeah, we could. I mean, we need to find the right partner at a speaker company to kind of do that. But yeah, absolutely. We could do something like that. Um, I mean, we did, we're, we were working on like a project for acoustic paneling for an event venue. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different hospitality kind of and commercial ways that this technology can be utilized too. Um, yeah, it's exciting. And that's what's cool too about our, you know, our studio is focused on home, um, on the home interior spaces, home goods. 
Um, but can we do apparel projects? Can we do signage projects if we wanted to? Yeah, the technology is really versatile and that's also one of the, the strong points about it for sure. That is so cool. I love that. And I love this. This was so much fun, Catherine. Thank you so much for the time today. This was great. Oh my gosh. I had the best time. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, it's just, I'm, you know, I think you probably can pick this up, but I'm really passionate about sharing this technology and this process with people. Um, I think it can be a real game changer. And I think too, like what, I think our stuff looks very like, okay. The feedback we get all the time, right. Is that's something I've never seen before. Like what you guys are doing is so different. And I think part of that as well is because we're working with artists who aren't traditional textile designers. So they're coming at it from a completely different angle. They're not thinking necessarily, how do I create a repeat? They're thinking, how can I create something for this medium? Or how do I take something I've already created and translate it to that medium? So it's, it is a different way of thinking about it too. And I, we're, we really want, the artist to concentrate on what they're best at, which is creating. So if we can help with the repeat part and do that stuff for them in-house, then, you know, it's, we want that. We want everyone to concentrate on, you know, on the things that they love to do the most. That's awesome. Best of luck. And we will definitely be checking back with you. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. I know you love talking about great partnerships the same way I do. Let me tell you about an incredible design partner who is working with us on the Convo by Design Remote Design House Tulsa project, Franz Wigner, a company created in 1899 in Attendorn, Germany. They started manufacturing brass beer taps. In 1921, the company expanded to Buenos Aires, manufacturing brass faucetry. The company launched in the U.S. in 1992, and Franz Wigner Premium Collection began in 2008. Franz Wigner crafts high-quality, premium faucets with the objective to create a design-oriented luxury product that exceeds the standards set by world-class designers and architects. Pretty heady stuff, and they do it. If you see a Franz Wigner faucet, it is stunning. You use Franz Wigner faucets, and they perform flawlessly. Product you can depend on after over 120 years designing a truly stunning faucet line. For more information and to check out the entire line of faucets, visit franzwigner.com. So I'm going to spell it for you, right? <laughs> F-R-A-N-Z-V-I-E-G-E-N-E-R.com. Thank you, Franz Wigner. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Thermosol, Article, York Wall Coverings, Franz Wigner, and Moya Living for your partnership and support. You are remarkable partners and amazing allies for the trade. And thank you for listening and subscribing to the podcast. I know you already know this, but there are literally hundreds of past episodes of Convo by Design that you probably haven't even heard yet, especially if you're new to the show. So go check them out. Thank you. And until next week, be well and take today first. Mm -hmm.